Welcome to Layout. Layout is a show about design, technology, and everything else. This episode is sponsored by Editor X, so go check them out at editorx.com. We are joined this week by the one and only Brian Levin, who is here to tell us about his staff design project. So we're super excited to dig into this conversation with him. Let's get to the show. So yeah, uh, you texted me yesterday and I'm like, all right, let's do round two. But to prepare, I'm going to go back and listen to our episode from 2017. Almost exactly four years ago, in fact. Wow. Wow. And uh, guys, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's funny, like you were asking good questions and we were just answering them in really annoying ways, I think. Um, I don't know if it was like the multi-guest format because it was both Brent and I, but like we would talk over each other. And you would ask a serious, really thoughtful question around, like, how do you think about designing communities so that they can be moderated and, like, people treat each other with respect? And we're like, I don't know. Like, what if you, like, uh, we just rambled. It was it was rough. Was that recorded after, uh, like, hour and a half long design details episode? Maybe. I, yeah, I think we were doing back so. backs that day. Yeah, Like, three of us, we were all in the same room, but then Kevin was... Remote? No. No, no, no. I was here in person. We were all there. Yeah. I remember recording design details that way, but I don't remember recording layout mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we recorded both back to back. Wow. And so so that I layout mean, episode, I think, probably wasn't as good as the design day. I'm not surprised. Because yeah, we were all t- super tired. Sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, we're so happy to have you today. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited. It's like, can't believe it's been, it took four years. <laughs> Well, okay. Back on. Here, here's the extra context as well. Like, I feel like I've been participating in layout for the last four <laughs> years as well, and I'm like coming in, and I know everything going on with both of your lives for the most part. You know, I'm like coming in with a ton of context, but you obviously don't feel the same way because we <laughs> don't talk to each other every week. <laughs> so I'm like kind of excited, but uh, I'll have to. This time we'll down. ask dumb questions. You okay. and you'll give the thoughtful uh, answers. Yeah, just yeah, you know to balance the. I'll do my best. Cool. I love it. It's like when I was younger in my career and I go to a conference and then you, you meet some people that like you're a big fan of. Like I think the first time I met uh, Tim, like Tim Van Dam, uh-huh. it's like, hi, I'm Tim. And I'm like, I know everything about you. <laughs> and it's so <laughs> creepy and so awkward <laughs> like, to yeah. have a conversation because almost like anything he's going to say, I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, and I think if you try and fake it, he'll also know. If he's yeah. like, "Hi, I'm Tim," you're like, "Tim, uh, Tim, who?" <laughs> and this has work. been a question that I've wondered for the longest time. It's like when you're in those situations where you meet someone that you're a big fan of, is it better to say, "Hi, I'm a huge fan of yours. Like, love everything you do. You know, you're amazing," or do you just play cool and you're like? Tim, uh, what's your name again? And just try to become friends more naturally. Yeah, like I don't okay. know which one is the best. Can I can I give you guys a confession along these same Go lines? For it. And you yes, have please. to admit if you've done the same thing. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> have you ever had a fantasy that, like, one day you you open your front door and walk out, and the neighbors are moving in, 
and it's like Chris Evans, right? Or or Paul Rudd. And they're your new neighbor. And you split second on your feet have to come across as like cool, collected, casual. They obviously know that you know who they are. So what do you say, right? Have you ever had this daydream? <laughs> Am I the only one? That I have to say that. Okay, the silence but, is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think it might be more because it's not really a thing here, like in Canada. Like we mm. don't have celebrities. But okay, in the but same okay. Well, way. it answers your question, right? Like, what would you say to this person where they would, yeah. like, want to hang 100%. out with you? Like, okay, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. want to say the perfect sentence. So this person knows that I'm a chill neighbor, <laughs> and they can like knock on my door and come hang. Right. I yeah, I do feel like having them as a neighbor is maybe an easier situation because mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. like presumably an infinite amount of time <laughs> to yeah. build that relationship. Just to be clear, we're all picturing Paul Rudd in this scenario, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure Paul Rudd, ideal, ideal. <laughs> right, right. Can I tell you one more story and you can cut this? Yes. Yeah. We're not the, gonna cut it. The closest I ever got to Paul Rudd was like three feet away because what? they filmed they were filming ant-man a scene from ant-man 2 uh like three block or three doors up from my apartment um the house that he's under house arrest in was three doors away Hmm. and so i get out and i'm I'm walking my dog in the morning and they have all the cameras set up right and they have the the whole street blocked off uh i walk up to the corner an assistant stops me she's like we're about to start filming i'm like all right sure chilling i hear his voice out of my right (laughs) ear and i turn to my right and I'm standing in the middle of the sidewalk, and he's on the stairs leading up to the door. And I turn, and Paul Rudd is right fucking there. And I, I registered who it was, and his assistant registered that I registered at the same time. So she had a panic attack because she thought I was going to do something crazy. She's like, "All right, you got to go. You got to move." And she she rushed me through around the corner so that I didn't talk to him. Anyways, I've had daydreams about that day many times. I'm like, oh, what if that's I could have said? See, that's why. If yeah. I had one sentence to say to him, like, what would I have said to get him to come three doors down and, like, chill, you know? You saw Paul Rudd and you were like, all right, you know, I've been yeah. practicing. I've been preparing for this moment. You're like, hey, Paul, if you want to, you know, just drop by <laughs> and get some beer, grab a beer or something. It's uh, literally that. It's like, hey, hey man, yeah. if you... You know, want to break from all the the craziness? Like I'm just three doors down, uh, cold beer in the fridge, man. <laughs> cool. Obviously, he's going to say no. <laughs> you know how I know this story? Because we watched Ant Man two together. <laughs> I've told this story so many times, <laughs> and it's not even that great of a story. I was just yeah. three. No, feet away I mean, fucking Ant Man. Like, come on. Yeah. No. If if I had that story happen to me, I would tell it yeah. nonstop. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, <laughs> hi, Brian. <laughs> hey, you want to talk about design? I don't know. You guys, you stop talking about design. Yeah. For <laughs> the know. most part. So what gradients are you using nowadays? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I guess we, we should talk about this, this new side project you, you, you launched yesterday, right? Yes, yesterday. Uh, actually, should we start by like introducing you? I, I feel like... People listening to this and they have no idea mm. who Brian is. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe let's start there. Uh, Brian Lovin, uh, also known as the Nice Boy, mm-hmm. he is a designer. Um, I got to know him 
uh, initially from, from uh, his his blog called Design Details hmm. was awesome. I mean, it still is. I love, it was. The posts are still up. <laughs> it was incredible uh, in where you would pick like cool apps and like dissect their onboarding flows, some cool interactions and some design details. Um, and then eventually that blog turned into also a podcast that he hosted with uh, from Bryn for for a while mm-hmm. we would interview a lot of people mm-hmm. and it was around that time that i you know we got to to meet you mm-hmm. um but there was a there was another life right now you're a product designer uh staff product designer oh at github huh. let's talk about yeah. how important titles are yeah <laughs> <laughs> we will and uh yeah i mean am i missing something still doing design details yeah still doing design details. different format still tinkering side projects uh yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> cool. And Sweet. your most recent type project, <laughs> you 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 launched it yesterday. Is it called Staff Design? Staff Dot Design? Uh, yeah, I'm just calling it Staff Design. I, I don't know. Cool. Uh, naming things is hard, as you know, <laughs> uh-huh. and I'm not sure this is the correct name for it. But it came to mind in December, and the domain was available, albeit expensive. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, I'm just gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs> um. One of the first things I saw about this this project is you've been talking about it for a while before mm. actually launching it, which is kind of interesting. And like maybe before we dive into like what it actually is and like the launch, I'm kind of curious about your approach with this. Cause, so I'm notorious for never launching any side project. <laughs> like it's, mm-hmm. an, it's amazing that we even produced this episode. <laughs> <laughs> they actually go out because if it was just me we would sit down we would record and we would never publish anything yeah um and i've like tried different approaches of like sometimes i'm like okay i'm gonna share what i'm doing as i'm doing it and therefore it's gonna get people interested in it and hopefully that's gonna motivate me to launch it um, and then on the flip side, sometimes I'm like, hey, you know what? Actually, when I post about this thing, it like scratches my itch yes. for, for this yes. thing. And like mm-hmm. posting about the thing becomes like as fun as actually launching the thing. And so I'm like, eh, I don't need to launch it now. Like I've had all of the enjoyment of sharing yes. this idea with people. And so how did you think about this with the staff design project and kind of like sharing a little bit about the behind the scenes before you even launch uh it kind of went through i guess two phases so the first phase was this is just something that i've been thinking about for a long time maybe i can explain the the project is really just trying to understand how to navigate the career path as an individual contributor uh or an ic and you know for years this is these are conversations that i've had with my manager every week for years like what does this look like to keep going uh, and then as you get promotions and, and move on to the levels, then you start to analyze career documents and look at those spreadsheets of levels and requirements. And you're like, what does this even mean? Right. And like, is it possible for one person to do all of this? And simultaneously, just looking at all of my peers, uh, hi, Kevin, you know, switch over to the management path and be successful there and the management track. It, it's not easy, uh, but it seems a little bit more well-defined. And we hear a lot from managers at conferences and sort of in the public sphere on Twitter. And I think there's this weird persona of ICs who kind of reject that. Like they 
They reject the management track. Uh, they just want to build. And the problem with that is those people tend to not share as much in public. Mm-hmm. So for years, I've been thinking about this and had this just question in my head about what I was going to do and like where I like where I should be thinking about um, or, or when I should be thinking about the management track, if at all. This fall or last fall, I should say, uh, I thought, OK, I, I have access to ask other people. And so I started having just one on one conversations with people asking for advice. And had the same sort of feeling that we had with design details, which is like, wow, how lucky am I to be having this conversation? It should be shared, right? These are people who aren't otherwise sharing. Wouldn't it be great if everyone else knew about it? So I thought about the project for weeks. uh, And usually if something's in my head for that long, then it feels like a side project worth doing. Because I don't know, you have lots of ideas that stick around for a day or two or maybe a week. But then after that, you kind of forget about it. Which is my gauge for, oh, maybe it wasn't that important. I didn't, I didn't really care. But this hung around for a while. So then getting into the, like the pre-launch stuff, I don't know. What you described about getting the enjoyment out of talking about the thing resonates a lot. I think it's true <laughs> for most things, too. Like If you tweet about working out, you get just as much enjoyment <laughs> as out of doing the actual workout. Like If you say you're going to lose weight, you've already scratched the whole itch of the journey to lose that weight, right? So yeah, I don't know. It's a little bit dangerous, but I guess the way I approach it is uh, I was kind of following the same playbook that we did for design details. So I put up a landing page, explained what I wanted to do and put up an email newsletter form. And if nobody put in their email, then it can just die and no one will remember. Uh, But people put in their email and like I heard from people, they replied. And so I kind of gauged that there was some interest and then I just bought the domain name, which was kind of expensive. It was like $300. And so that puts a little bit of like financial motivation on the table. Like, all right, <laughs> I did this dumb thing. I spent this much money on a domain name. I better make it worth it. Nice. I really love the idea of kind of capturing interest before fully committing to something. Mm-hmm. Did you have sort of like a, an idea in mind of what would it look like to have enough interest to be worth it or did you just kind of like hey like if there's five people that sign up for it cool like i'm down there's people interested or did you put more like i don't know i mean you're asking good questions that i wish i was (laughs) had like more thoughtful answers to but it's just it's kind of a gut check right like Mm -hmm. is there some volume of people that would find this interesting and honestly what i thought the project would be when i first started ended up being quite different from what's shipped so for example what I wanted to do was ask a bunch of people the exact same question mm-hmm. and have a way to like sort of flip the the website. You could either browse by person or by question. That's really cool. It just it ran into the wall of reality where <laughs> people That's not how conversations work. It's not how conversations work. Um everyone's situation was slightly different. Like I wanted to talk to this one person who became a manager for a few years and then came back to the IC track. And so none of the questions really make sense. Mm-hmm. So uh, I ended up just hopping on calls with people. And, and the call, I had these questions as like an outline. But then they would mention some topic and we would go down a rabbit hole. So just over time, as I actually started doing the thing, my whole concept of how it should look actually eroded. And it became a little bit more organic. Like, all right, I just hop on a call with someone for uh, 45 minutes. We have this outline loosely of questions, but ideally this person's been pre-vetted to 
have strong opinions. And it was funny, mm-hmm. like the first interview is with Wilson Minor, and we hopped on the call, and he just started talking. He said, "All right, here's my hot take," because he'd ar- he had so much pent up thinking about this subject and frustration mm-hmm. with the subject. And so then when I published that interview, people are like, "Is your website broken? Because there's not an opening question." I'm like, no, no, no. He just started talking. And then so now I'm think- second guessing: should it have been written? Should it have been audio? Like, where is it confusing? Oh, I don't know. I think I think it's it's perfect. Even though that that idea, like browsing by question, it it sounds kind of interesting and unique mm-hmm. in a way. But I I think I'm, I'm like I'm glad you you didn't go that route because it's you you are really good at this like interview style even from before you know design details days it there's a lot of interviews especially like with famous designers you know whatever not just the designers but famous people in the industry in where the name of the person is like the reason why you're gonna you know read that uh and it feels like the interviewer is just they they are just trying to harvest content to then show it to people and where in you Maybe you just fake it really well, uh, but I th- <laughs> like I could see that you, as an interviewer, were genuinely trying to understand and get the the wisdom and knowledge and the insight from this person, and not necessarily I want to have at least four questions that I can post as a you know mm-hmm. publish as a as a as a, an article or something. And I think that comes through in an interview, like the the moment Wilson said something incredibly wise and complex and like kind of. A huge breakthrough and you say i think i'm following <laughs> like, that's that's what i said like throughout the whole uh interview as i was reading i think <laughs> i I'm think follow- i get it think, yeah 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 uh so that that it just i think it, it feels very genuine and i i love that i mean honestly i i feel like i struggle with this inside projects quite a lot is this idea of the most organic natural way to approach it is the least scalable way to approach it Mm-hmm. and maybe it's just a byproduct of having worked on tech products for so long but as i started doing the interviews i was thinking in the back of my head can i do this times a hundred people like could i do this weekly like can i automate parts of this process and each of those things i think would have diluted the more organic feel of the final yeah. product but now of course it's launched and these things are intention where I've done eight interviews and each one is taking maybe like four to six hours total from the recording, editing, reviewing, and then publishing point of view. And so there's just no way you can keep doing that weekly or, or it's a really uh, a big factor in deciding if you go beyond the initial eight people that I've, I've already recorded with. So I don't know, but, like it sucks cause I, I want, but that's okay. I, yeah, maybe it's okay. It's such a bummer because there's so many people that also have something to contribute to this, and it's like I just don't have time, you know. But that was not the original goal, right? It's no, not, no. It's a journey for you to explore and think about this this topic that you've been thinking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, one one thing I find interesting is to me there's value in this interview format and like what you Brian are actually bringing to the conversation and the topics you drill into and the questions that, that you ask versus like if you were to send people like a list of 10 questions i don't think we would get the same quality and the same depth yeah. of answer and so it's like 
And I think this is also why Rafa and I do the show, that it's like a a conversation. Like there's something added here. It's not just like Kevin's essay plus Rafa's essay equals layout. It's like, no, the fact that we're actually exchanging ideas, you're making me think of something which like provokes this other thought, which leads to this question that neither of us thought it would go. Well, also, Kevin, to call back to one of your earlier points on layout.fm, you talked about like answering written interview questions and how you found it incredibly, what, time-consuming, frustrating, annoying, right? And it was the same thing here. Like, in fact, I gave everyone, I reached out to all these people and said, you have a choice, like either hop on a call with me for an hour or answer the written format. Wilson immediately wanted to do the voice call because it's 45 minutes of his time versus this written format, which takes hours of other people's time. And so other people chose the written format and I watched them. They would send me updates and I could tell they were spending (laughs) hours on this. Hours. And at some point I just stopped them. I said, I am so sorry, but you have to stop. Hop on a call with me for 45 minutes and we're going to hash this out. Like you've done a bunch of pre-thinking. That's great. You have an outline, you have some notes, but you're spending so much time on this. And the result, like the drafts that I'm seeing are so stuffy and like you can just tell they wrote like typed it instead of saying it the way they would say it right mm-hmm. so that was also a transition like no yeah. no written format <laughs> it just doesn't work uh and anytime i go read like a pre-written you you can tell it's a list of questions and they like sat down at, at their desk on a saturday afternoon like wrote out the answers you can just tell and it feels a little bit hmm. stuffy and artificial i don't know yeah like something that uh, when you were talking about hey how do we scale something like this like one way that i could see you take this in the future is like because i think the human connection and the conversation is important but like you could theoretically have other interviewers like you could have four or five other people that are having those conversations too and they're kind of taking it in a different direction maybe than you would but it still creates that human element without necessarily like requiring you to be doing every single interview. Like, I don't know if that like could make sense, but I, I, all of that to say is like, I wouldn't get rid of that more like human feel to this, uh, this project. Our sponsor this week is editor X. Editor X is an advanced web design platform for professional creators. It's design-oriented and comes with custom code capabilities and integrated business solutions for sophisticated projects. You can build responsive sites that look and function exactly the way you want with Flexbox and complex grids. You can also use responsive CSS powered by Smooth Drag and Drop and even create custom breakpoints to design unique web experiences for every screen. Each site can be enriched with a full range of solutions to support any business from e-commerce to booking systems, advanced SEO, and more. Editor X encourages collaboration from designing brand visuals to client handovers with team accounts, shareable design libraries, and advanced roles and permissions. On top of that, they offer comprehensive learning resources so you can master the platform with video tutorials, written lessons, and hands-on training in the editor. So if you're interested, go check it out at editorx.com. And our thanks to Editor X for sponsoring this week's episode of Layout. Well, here's, an, here's another one for you guys too. Like, 
I thought as as I was going through, I had to ask for advice from so many people just over and over again about whether to monetize this project. Because originally that wasn't the goal, didn't care about it, not worried about it. But as I got into it, I'm like, hmm, okay. We're living in this age where everybody has a new, like a paid newsletter, <laughs> right? Or these courses. And my brain is just so fucked up to like want to make money where I'm sitting here thinking, okay, maybe what if I did like half interviews are free and if you want the full interview, you pay like five bucks a month. And I just went down this path of really thinking about if this project should make money, partly because I am paying for stuff like between the email newsletter, the script and the domain. It is kind of expensive, but and also your time <laughs> and, and time. But also I was just like, I still have this other itch I want to scratch of making money on the Internet. I think it's really addicting and fun. Mm-hmm. Ultimately decided not to monetize, but. How do you guys think about this? Like, obviously, you have sponsors for the podcast, but sometimes it feels like it could destroy the integrity or the spirit of the project. And I think that would have happened if I shipped this yesterday with sponsored by this company, this company, this company. I think it would have destroyed the integrity of it. I wouldn't say it would destroy it. And by the way, you're asking the wrong person. I'm, I'm terribly, I don't monetize any of my projects. But well, except this. Do you, do you think about it? Like, why didn't you charge for hand mirror, right? Like, why didn't you charge five bucks for that? Yeah. Well, actually, for like the, those types of apps or something, I never feel confident charging money for code that I wrote. Like, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not there yet. Um, but I have like plans and ideas for potentially down the line, you know, monetize it at some point. Mm. But I never get there. Yeah. And there's, some, I don't know, stuff like a hand mirror, the little fun utility Mac app, if it's like paid, it just, remove some of the bounciness of it like the you know 100 yeah i know what you mean but it. doesn't that kind of uh, <laughs> if you're not motivated by money then it's great um but yeah. if you're like me and you're motivated in part by money i don't want to just sound like a crazy money person yeah, yeah. but like certainly it's a motivating <laughs> factor and like as you build things absolutely you, it's a, a background cycle in my brain like is this worth my time right because i could be doing other things i could have spent all this time freelancing right if I wanted, it's it's a, a very legit, real form of validation for your work. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a lot of like practical experience making money on the internet. Like I've made two apps a long, long time ago. Like I made polls, which is like a menu bar app, which like showed your open poll requests on GitHub. Um, and I think I charged five bucks for this. And um, I had like a tip calculator, which is like super super old which was my uh-huh. f- very first ios app yeah, yeah i think i tried 99 cents for it and i think maybe five people bought it uh okay. <laughs> but still um and i think the, those two experiences are like the smallest little thing that you can do to to charge money but my what i, I what i would tell you is i think you should try to monetize this like i Why? really think Why? you should not because you're going to make a lot of money. Like, you're probably not going to make a lot of money. And actually, like, I'm not sure if the time to reward investment will yeah. work out. That the time you will spend, like, implementing those paid features uh-huh. will pay off, you know, by the amount of money you make. But I think you should do it because it's a new thing for you to learn. <laughs> and yeah. And, like... I, and that's the reason why I would do it, and that's the reason why I like 
all the the side projects that I never launch, I always think I if I did launch them, <laughs> I would make them paid because I one you not to tweet think, about the monetization because points. one I think yeah because one I think they're valuable and if you think they're valuable then surely people are worth like are going to be willing to pay some money for it and two it's good to get that experience that like thinking about hey what is the business model for this like what are different ways to monetize it how does money influence this project in one way or another like probably most of your side projects won't end up making yeah. that much money but one of them at one point might yeah <laughs> um, maybe and i, I mm. and like i f- i feel like it's worth getting that additional experience that like you know it it's a skill set that you're going to learn and you're going to grow into and that at one point in your life will come in handy even if you may not need it now i want to add to that i agree i agree that you should couple more arguments <laughs> just throw that in the same fire i don't like the state of free stuff on the internet and expectations from people you know the classic like 99 for a nap screw that like that's a classic cliche mm-hmm. example to use but because people shy away from doing that uh i i think most people reading this interview with wilson or you know just browsing through this this project they don't see the effort behind it they don't see the amount of time and care that was put into this and so they might not appreciate it in the same way they're just like oh it's a blog post right like that's yes. blog right. posts are free right um it also makes it like if we as a community, if we don't get into the practice of charging for side projects, and I know I'm like I'm to blame as uh-huh. well. Hi, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> what that is going to create is people who make side projects are people who can afford not to charge for this work. Maybe they have a job and they, you know, again they can afford to launch stuff for free, mm. and it kind of makes life harder for the other folks who cannot afford to launch you know stuff for free and have to charge for it and then the exp- the users expect stuff for free so just a couple more arguments i think i think you should and not just like fine i'll throw a you know adsense or a banner or whatever or <laughs> oh, like God. fine i'll break yeah, there the are lots of bad ways to monetize <laughs> yeah, yeah. something <laughs> yeah Here, here's how i w- here's how i would monetize it and and I'll tell and then I'll tell you why I'm not going to monetize this project, but I want to do another project this year that I do monetize. To Kevin's <laughs> okay. point, because I want to learn it. Like I'm bad at it. Um, I want to figure mm-hmm. it out. I think if I were going to monetize this, I would do. I like this idea of additive contents. So like if I could take the the audio and make that a podcast, and the podcast yeah. is mm-hmm. paid, but the written interview is free. Um, so people are paying really for convenience, right? Like they can consume it while they're doing other things or while they're driving or whatever. Or you could share like the unedited or just have more content. Yeah. Bonus questions, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was I was thinking reading the 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 interview, I was like, man, I would love to listen to this as a podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um release the tapes. But even the pod <laughs> even the podcast thing, like there's obviously podcasters out there that have paid models. Um I just don't think our industry wants to pay for that kind of stuff. Or at least like our little bubble of the, the people that I would interact and be able to w- reach on Twitter, right? I'm not sure people are eager to, to pay for a podcast. <laughs> See, but I feel like it depends maybe. 
I so I've been listening to Dithering, which is a paid podcast. Same, and yeah, I, I love it. Five dollars. It's like it's it's fine, right? Like five bucks yeah. is fine, <laughs> and it's great, and it makes me happy every day. And I pay the yeah. yearly price, and just like don't even think about it. Yeah. So like I do think that there is a way to make them work. It really depends on your audience. It really depends mm-hmm. on your idea. I like one thing that I am a little skeptical about is the bonus content model mm. for some podcasts. Let's um, talk about it because you know like, this is I, what Design like, Details does. <laughs> like I do think it's valuable, but again, it it definitely depends on the situation. But generally, yeah. uh, and I've like um, subscribed to some other podcasts um, that are not Design Details that and try them and just like drop off that Mm. oftentimes i feel like the paid content is not the most interesting part of the episode (laughs) Mm. like they'll have the great like super tight you know edited like main show for people and then they'll have like either like after show content or like kind of random stuff that is like less good (laughs) and it's weird like it there there's something that's not uh, rational about it that it's like hey no it's just this thing that i generally enjoy but it's it feels weird to be paying for like the less good half of something like that mm. you putting out the great part for free for everyone actually devalues what you're producing yeah and you don't want to put out the shitty part for free <laughs> well <laughs> and no that's, one's that's, gonna, the, uh, that's the challenge right? right and that's yeah. why i feel like the the dithering model is like very clear it's like look if if you want to listen to this, you pay for it. And otherwise, like there, I mean, maybe they post like a minute long snippet or, or whatever, but I think the, it's the, the like actual financials just are different for them. Cause those two people have so much reach that they 100%. can charge $5 a month and put out three episodes a week. They're short, but it's still volume and cadence. Like that's a schedule they have to follow now. Yeah. But if they get, a few thousand subs, great. Like something smaller, like design details, we'll never have that, right? We will never have that reach or that marketing budget. And so then you're talking about, okay, do we want to make a few hundred dollars a month for all this extra work? Like, eh, maybe it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, same thing for us. Like, yeah. Yeah. We've yeah. talked I mean, about we're like, going to, oh, we're going to be we... charging, um, you know, an extra for all the Paul Rudd stories. Okay. But it's just an experiment for this. Well, I mean, that was the best part. So good, yeah, good choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so should we talk about staff design? <laughs> yeah, I want to get back to staff design. I'm really curious um, about the like the, the the subject, the topic. Mm, yeah, because it's something that, as someone who identifies as an IC, <laughs> yeah. um, this has been on my mind. I want to say recently, you know, for the past year or two, a couple of years, become real for me. Uh, especially since I like tried management and hated it and then mm-hmm. came back. And for a while I was like, am I going back in my career? Like, am yep. I, am I making a huge mistake? <laughs> uh, luckily, you know, my company at the time supported me in the best way they, they could. So I felt supported and feel like I was being, I felt like in a way I was being taken care of, but I wonder because this is something I never even considered or thought about before, you know, two years ago, I don't, some I wonder if someone starting out as a designer today in their career, maybe don't even know exactly if they want to be product designer or UX designer or 
what does that even mean? Much less so than like thinking about an IC track, like for the rest of your career or like thinking about management. Like I didn't think about management for a while, for years. So I, I'm really curious to, to know, like, have you gotten some, some feedback, some people read, do you know someone, like, do you have an idea of who's reading this? Who is it connecting with? Or is it just like, this is only relevant for people who are in the industry for a decade and are now, you know, facing these, these, these issues? Uh, it's probably more relevant for people that have a few years of experience and, and maybe know that they have this choice coming up because it takes a little while to have enough experience where it makes sense to transition into management. Like usually it's around the staff level, right? Or like maybe senior, you transfer over and you become like a level one manager and then, then they sort of track each other. Uh, upwards so probably someone a little further along uh i mean yeah like everything you're describing is are things that i've struggled with and it was fun talking to the people that i interviewed for this because they all struggle with it too and i guess there's some comfort in knowing that it's not a, a an individual struggle that we have to just deal with on our own but actually we could be having a more open conversation about this uh but there's still a ton of frustration and i think you could probably hear that in wilson's voice like there's a ton of pent-up frustration from ic's who hit this point where they literally have to make a decision like do i want to stop making more money do i want to stop having more responsibility there's just not a path for me within an organization to just be a really good designer the expectations become so high or the expectations actually just stray from what you like doing uh, you know, eventually you just get paid to be doing things you're good at, not necessarily things that you like being good at. Um, mm. And there's a ton of pent up frustration there. So I have no answers, obviously, but that this is all like boiling into why I think this project should exist. And I don't know, like maybe a round two is talking to people like you, Kevin, like from the management angle, how are managers thinking about this? Because as product designers are maturing and we have like, people reaching these levels, a lot of them are falling off or they're flipping to management and they're kind of shitty managers. Like this is a problem. Um, I don't know. Do you have a, do you have an angle on this? Well, <laughs> I mean, there's lots of stuff we could talk about for sure. And I don't think I have all the mm. answers or any of the answers for that matter. Um, I do know like this is something that we have where I work. Um, and like, you know, we have those like, you know, parallel tracks that many other companies are starting to have now too. But like, I gotta say, like, it has been a struggle. Like everything that Wilson was talking about, like, you know, getting people to write their own job description, that kind of stuff. Like it's things that we struggles that we went through. And there's probably some people like, so I personally, I haven't, I've never managed someone at a staff level. Um, so I have maybe less of that like direct experience, but I think a, a, a struggle that a lot of companies have, um, is like when the job or job levels were initially created, like senior IC was kind of like the top. <laughs> and yeah. so it was kind of like, okay, so you can kind of be junior or it can be mid-level or you can be senior. And so senior is like, you're great at all the things and, you know, <laughs> at like a, a mid-level, you're like good at most things, but need a little bit of support. And then junior is like, you're, you have a lot of potential, but you need a lot of support. And so 
what I think the challenge is is like, okay, now we want to recognize, okay, there's like this whole other set of levels beyond beyond amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> right? It's like you're you're okay, you're good, or you're amazing. And now we're like you're amazing plus, plus. <laughs> like, yes, yes. Right? amazing it's plus like, six dollars a month streaming yeah it's it's like okay so but then like do you is it like do you take stuff out or like how do you and and it gets mm-hmm. really difficult to articulate in in like a spreadsheet right like what does that look like what does that mean so here's the whole other angle for the project and I might have, I'm, I'll probably regret naming it staff.design. But in each of these interviews, I ask, like, how important do you think titles are? Because I also <laughs> think we have title bloat. I don't know what you would call it. But we have people who are becoming senior designers, like, two or three years out of college. It's like, well, mm-hmm. fuck, okay. <laughs> now what? Because these people have to go somewhere. And so a really great recruiting mechanism, titles are free. So, or at least <laughs> titles are cheaper, uh, so we can just keep making this stuff up. Um, and, and you know, how important are those titles? Some people really value them; they can be useful. But as you keep making them up, it just becomes fuzzier. Like, what's the difference between senior and staff? What's the difference between staff and principal? What's beyond principal? Like, should there be? Should there be anything higher? Or do you just like get to the top? <laughs> And hitting the top when you're 28 or 29 or 30, it's really (laughs) terrifying, which I think is where a lot of people are. Yeah. I think it's just the nature of this industry. We move so freaking fast. So much rotation. It's expected. You know, you're probably going to get promoted. Like if if you do a good job, maybe once a year, right? Maybe it'll be a little while longer. But, you know, that's around the time that you might expect a promotion. Like a year in, okay, so now what? You know, I don't have a lot of experience like in other industries, but, you know, looking back at like conversations from my parents and from whatever, like they don't get promotions every single year. They don't get a yeah. new title every single year. Yeah. Single year. Uh, and guess what? They worked at the same company for like 30 years. Um, no wonder if it takes them six years to get a promotion and that's the expectation, they're more patient. And then you don't have to scramble like, holy crap, we started a new company, you know, we're a startup, two years in, we have three levels, and everyone has, like, been promoted to the top level. We need more levels to keep them around because we want to keep them around cheaper than whatever. So, like, just create more, and then we just keep doing this to ourselves. So I feel like that's just how this industry is set up to operate. So yeah, I think it's just it's starting to get unreasonable for you to expect someone to work at the same company for you know more than five six years i don't, I don't know yeah i, I don't know the whole <laughs> tenure part's like yeah, a whole other battle right yeah um, yeah but yeah we are in this fuzzy period where we've we've these other titles exist but the expectations between companies and even within a company aren't quite calibrated correctly and at the upper levels you get to the point where uh i don't know i don't want to spoil this because like i'm I learned a lot from interviewing other people and so their ideas are in my head but like you get to a point where there isn't a rubric that fits you like a staff designer could fit many roles like you could have a staff designer that is a craft staff designer and you could have one that is product or one that is process and like they kind of fit different roles and maybe you actually want a mix of them so then a rubric doesn't make sense right uh 
but we don't have that calibrated even within a company, not to mention across companies. Yeah, I mean, the kind of thing you're sort of driving towards here is like those rubric rubrics are bad in the first place, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it, because it's trying to apply like a very standardized way of looking at everyone the same way that just doesn't really map with reality like i think different people will be different good at different things naturally and i think that's okay but this rubric just apply like everyone needs to have the same level of like quality in prototyping as you know the everyone needs to be exactly the same and just like kind of doesn't really match up with reality and i think we maybe have more experience and are better at at distinguishing between like three levels of fidelity like it's it's easy to kind of go like you know it's the good better best kind of situation but it it become like having more of those roles just highlights how unfit for like the purpose like that this standardized rubric that everyone gets applied um yeah Yeah. is like that's kind of what i i I, i'm feeling is just this tool was never good in the first place (laughs) it was always bad and this is kind of highlighting why i've heard even something even more extreme than three levels i've heard there should only be two and i won't say who thinks this but Someone I've talked to who I respect. Yeah, they literally think it should be apprentice. And I know it's a loaded term, but like master in the sense of like master craftsperson, right? right? So apprentice and and master. And like there's one point where it's like, yep, you're pretty good. Like on to this next tier of of work. Uh, Jedi and Padawan. Thank you. That's that's clean. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what's important is... Being able to help people recognize their progress and know what's expected of them and see how they can grow is kind of how I would define it. And so that's why, Rafa, when you were talking about like, oh, like our parents like would stay in the same role for years and years and years. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily better either, because, yeah, like if there's you don't have that that sort of sense of, hey, what do I need in order to grow in my role and have more impact Then that makes it harder for you to, to do that and, and be fulfilled in whatever you do. Um, so I do appreciate the like tech mindset of like, Hey, like we expect people to grow in, in these roles and not, we're not like comfortable with them necessarily like staying in the same place. But then I feel like the, the whole like title and the whole rubric situation is, is is trying to make it like a binary thing when it's much more of like a gradient. So yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I like other things that are coming to mind. I, I kind of, if I were to do a follow up on this is talk to people who rejected both paths altogether and just <laughs> went and like either freelance full time or, or started their own companies. People like uh, Sebastian DeWith come to mind, right? Like, He's on a team of three people building Halide, and maybe that comes with some managerial responsibilities, but for the most part, my impression from the outside is that he just designs really good camera software, um, which is an entirely different path and probably a scarier one. Yeah. And then there's also just another group of people who will never participate in an in interview series like staff design 
because they reject rubrics and career paths and structure altogether. Um, I think they're people who feel much more aligned with like just being a craftsperson and they just care about the craft and they just want to get really good at it. And all this like corporate bullshit speak around it, they can tell that <laughs> it's it's there to support certain kinds of people and they're not that kind of person. And I don't know whether that's good or bad. I think having frameworks is useful for lots of people and it does nudge you along and help you to grow. But I think there are people out there who reject that. And I could be mistaken about this, but my hunch is that a lot of them work at Apple because Apple is one of the few places where they have designers that just fucking design there for like 10 to 20 years. Mm -hmm. Like, and they don't go on Twitter. They don't write blog posts. They don't show up on podcasts. Nobody knows, but they exist somewhere, right? Like they're just there doing the work. Probably, yeah, and well. probably <laughs> they're the ones who inspire the entire industry like, yeah. <laughs> through the work that they do. Yeah, that's. Do you think an ambition and maybe some ego are to play here? Uh huh. Like, <laughs> like, yes, dude. Yeah, and not. And I think I think money is is huge factor in this as well because it just you know comes with the title usually and comes with the responsibility but some of us and i'll gladly put myself put myself in, in this we freak out if we feel like now what like is this it even if the it is freaking great amazing you have yes. a great job <laughs> you have a great paycheck you have a you work with a great team you love the product and you are a staff designer and you are just focusing on the craft and yet you're like is this it <laughs> what if it is isn't that great right um i you know i i threw myself again in the startup world and it's it's a whole different world here um cuz like nothing is defined everything is in motion all the time um so i think it's a very different thing and and comes with its own struggles and stuff but but yeah i wonder if just chill that'd be great you'd be happier um, yeah uh, i don't know ego i mean money is a part of it uh yeah and then i think at some point like you have to be realistic about what is the upper bound like is it reasonable to assume that a product designer should ever make as much money as a vp of x at a company i think that's one way to frame the question like should that hierarchy even extend that high uh, and then perhaps another way to look at it is why aren't there product designers that operate at the VP level who have VP level influence within an organization? They just come in as a practitioner and they aren't worried about org structure. They're worried about product structure, right? And again, maybe some of those people out there exist. Maybe some companies operate this way. But if there are ICs at that level, they're not visible or at least visible in a way where we can all say a name, recognize that person, be like, yes, that is a person that is at the top of the IC career path who we could aspire to become. At least as far as I know. I don't know a person. Yeah. Wilson Miner is like very close to that. Maybe, Being yeah. that person for me. Yeah. Uh, actually, I, I, I somehow missed that he was at Apple. I, I found out when I read your, you know, the... Your but yeah, one of the things that, that's... I, and I think you talked about it a little bit in the Wilson Miner interview, but how, like, it's actually harder maybe to grow influence in a staff design role like when you're talking about having a vp level staff designer or principal designer or whatever you call it like i feel like you reach a point where you're con if you want to scale that contribution 
like it's hard to avoid like having to deal with other humans <laughs> and having that influence through other people. And I don't know, maybe this is where things get fuzzy of like what like what is the difference between a, a manager and the, like a manager that has like actual reports versus like mm. a staff designer who mentors a bunch of other fo- like at a certain point like I feel like my lines start getting blurred too and I start having a hard time like yeah. telling the difference yeah like how, well, how do well, you think point, about like this? i mean like, with the the ic just won't be in calibrations and they don't have to have one-on-ones dealing with personal problems and like advising people on career solutions or mentoring on design and product solutions probably right or at least that would be more of the expectation like you're responsible for nudging people along through their career and making them successful professionals but as a staff designer, that's not the responsibility, right? What do you agree with that or not? So I, I agree with it on, in theory. I okay. think I've I've seen some examples of people that like start off with that mindset, but I think oftentimes like approaching problems through the lens of work actually reveals deeper problems or, or challenges that you you then have to reach into more personal and career goals uh, mm, mm-hmm. to address i don't know if that makes sense like i yeah it's, it's all, weird I mean, it's because like intertwined right it's hard to give examples about like actual like <laughs> people situations yeah. um but i i do think that like in theory these things are very separate i think in practice sometimes they're less separate than than we think and like in order to be i find and again that's my personal opinion and like very loosely held but in order for me to be an effective manager i do need to know like hey what's what's your work like what are you producing and like i need to understand how you do things and so and maybe this is just like my way like i'm not a very like hre type manager Mm. which is like i'm very like here in the trenches with people and i feel like we can have those conversations and yeah and yeah and so i want to work for managers like that by the way and and i i feel like as a manager i would not not want to be aware of like the work side of things like the the design side of things and the output of people that of the people that i'm managing and but on the other hand it's like again like i think for me it's hard to separate those things like an individual is like everything that they do and they care about and so i think it's on from my perspective it's hard for a manager to totally abdicate work from being their responsibility and i think it's difficult for a staff designer to totally abdicate the more like interpersonal challenges yeah i think you're right but I think there there still has to be an acknowledgement of the expectation for each of these people. Like, I would never want to work with a manager who doesn't give a shit about the craft. I want a manager who's going to have thought about this or have an opinion or, or be able to unblock me or or contribute to the design in some way. I think not because that is a hard requirement for the industry to have. But that's just personally the kinds of people that I like working with. But at the end of the day, that person also has responsibility for advocating for me in calibration meetings. They have a responsibility for the team health, for allocating headcount, 
for fighting through reorgs to protect their <laughs> their reports, right? Like they just have this other set of responsibilities over here. And I think the biggest struggle for people on the IC track is they get to this point where those responsibilities start to bleed into their day-to-day work, yet yeah. they also are forced to maintain this expectation of doing really, really good work. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to imagine a world where you can just show up and do really, really good work and not worry about all this other stuff. But I think that's what people are trying to figure out if it's possible. Can I show up and just be a phenomenal designer? And of course, it's going to come with mentorship and, and understanding people. And yeah, of course, I want to like build relationships because that helps us actually collaborate better and, and, and work together well. Uh, but at the end of the day, I do not want to be fighting for headcount. I do not want to be in calibration <laughs> meetings. I don't want to be like helping people get raises uh, tactically through HR. I can give them advice about how to ask for a yeah. raise, but not doing the raise process itself. All those kinds of things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the places I end up going often in those kinds of conversation is like, in order to get like to the a true staff designer in like what you're describing, I almost feel like it ends up placing that person more in, in sort of like a, like a, a research or a- academic style role where like they're not necessarily like on projects because the pull of projects will naturally always want to bring you back to like career and you're talking about reorgs and stuff like that. And like I, my dream is like companies have the ability to like create this space for people to like go really, really deep and explore the future of a space. Like I, I work for, say I work for Shopify. Like, Hey, like let's imagine <laughs> hypothetically, why couldn't I go and spend, spend a year thinking about, Hey, what is the future of commerce? Like, what does yeah. that look like? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm not tied down with like being on a project that needs to ship today or, you know, in six months that I'm like, they're like, Hey, look, like take this time, like be in a small team, like do you know really scrappy things, explore ideas, but like be more disconnected from the actual day to day, so I can like really focus on that craft and that excellence so, without having to think about metrics, without having to you know. They'll need to become a force ghost and like only appear. Kind of, I mean, that's like, sort of what I feel like is the ultimate re- but, realization. But at this. what point is that? good value for the company i've I've seen some people ascend to one of those titles and at least from where i was standing it felt like it was just a move to make sure the person stayed yeah um and not necessarily yeah. because of the output is something that the company actually really needed um it was just it was like a bad deal for the company they prefer that person to stay around and like not go work somewhere else um then then yeah then the opposite it, and I think it's also a this conversation we need to, to have and maybe ask ourselves, like, at some point, and this is something I, I'm still trying to to understand. Uh, we keep saying that we want, uh, like, a career ladder, ladder that we can climb whilst staying focused on the craft. But if we, if we want the promotion, if we want a new title, if we want whatever, I think it's fair to assume that we need to also take take up on more responsibilities right like if you want to increase the input then you should increase the output so if we if we want to do the quote-unquote the same thing 
then is what we're saying is that I'll do the same thing. You'll pay me more so that I can do it better. Like I'll just get better at doing this. Yeah. So I'm doing the same thing, but better results. But it's like it's the same output, just better results. But does that make sense? Yeah. Well, this is the frustration, right? Is you're you're either forced to make that decision. Okay. Let's say you're just really, really. Uh, you're so good at making buttons. Okay. <laughs> you make the best buttons this planet has ever seen. Well, at some point, you're gonna get promoted up to a level where they're like, okay, we want you to make buttons, but we also want you to teach other people how to make buttons. Right. But VP you don't like teaching, right? So you have to make a choice. Yeah. Do I want to just keep doing what I like doing or do I want to accept this new responsibility and I'll get I'll get paid more for it. But that just keeps adding up and adding up and adding up. And what happens in practice is you get to a point where you're spending 10% of your time making buttons uh, and, and the rest of your time doing all this other stuff. And so I think the frustration is you can't actually just say, no, 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 I'm really good at making buttons and I'm going to make them so well and faster and at scale, and you should pay me a lot more money because no company is going to do that if you're already if you're already doing it. They're not just going to magically mm-hmm. double your salary because you can make them twice as fast. They'll just expect mm-hmm. you to make twice as many, right? Uh, so the question it, it comes comes back to like uh, values based pricing almost. If you're a freelancer, right? Like if you charge hourly at a certain point in your career, you're losing money because you've accrued so much experience that an hour's worth of your work is actually worth a lot more than an hour. Mm -hmm. Same thing here. Like you get so good as a product designer, but if you don't want any of those extra responsibilities, you're just cutting yourself off at some fixed hourly rate. I think. Good point. Good way to put it. Yeah. What do you want? (laughs) You just want to negotiate better hourly rates at the company you work on. Yeah. I don't know. Question for you. Do you think it's possible for people to keep getting better at their craft mm. forever and ever until the end of time. Uh, I feel like I'm getting worse. I don't know. <laughs> Can you get worse? <laughs> or do you hit like diminishing returns at some point? Yeah, there's probably diminishing returns. I, I mean, ask me again in 20 years. I, I wish I knew. I feel like I'm still getting better. Um, uh, I'll just say this. I feel very... Uh, fraudulent because I feel like Wilson articulated a lot of this stuff and it's just in my brain. And also the other interviewers I talked or guests I talked to had ideas on this. That's how opinions are formed. Yeah. So here's, here's my newly formed opinion is I liked the way Wilson framed it, like substitute creating buttons for making decisions, right? At some point you just become really, really fast and, and in tune with making good decisions. Or at the very least, your hit rate of success on those decisions is going up. So ideally, both, right? You're making them faster and the hit rate is going up. And so therefore, your value is going up. And maybe that starts to have diminishing returns or like it curves at a certain point. There's only so many hours in the day. There's only so many decisions to make. Uh, so yeah, probably at some point that that curves off. But I think for a lot of people, it happens earlier than they would like. It happens when when they feel like I'm still trying to get better, but now I have to do all this other stuff and I don't have the time to learn how to make better decisions because I'm yeah. mentoring, right? Yeah, and I think that's yeah, that's the key problem here and yeah. maybe goes back to rethinking a little bit about like how these levels work and how like just career progression over time. But yeah, like I like I'm not sure that it's like something 
that you can necessarily like in anything like even as say you know your manager or whatever like that you can forever and ever like keep growing without hitting any diminishing returns yeah that, like it's just real but can we get worse or no just just out of oh you can get you can also get worse yeah for sure yeah <laughs> okay uh hey can we talk about the execution like the the actual website just for a one half minute Ooh. um can i admit something i want to admit something really quick okay okay admit I, I i actually typed a tweet and then i deleted it but kevin i was responding to your tweet where you <laughs> took a screenshot on on the phone and you're like yeah. oh wow look at this mobile alignment <laughs> i typed a tweet that said uh should i should i admit that this is a coincidence or not and then i deleted the tweet i'm like no nah, i kind of want to look like i'm smart but dude <laughs> that was a coincidence <laughs> it's so good it's just perfect i i love the style of this website i love all the details of it like it's like it's not in your face but it's so like in again like in that alignment in the choice of using the little avatars on the side like there's just like all of these little decisions to me are all add up to being making something super successful and i think you just nailed it with this one well thank you i i'll i'll say this i had a version of this ready to go on i think saturday night so we're recording this i, I launched it tuesday Saturday night, I felt like I was good. I had a design. It kind of looked like the old landing page. It was a single column, mostly text, like a couple images. Uh, and I got a ton of feedback from Effie, my partner, from Gabe Valdivia, Claudio Vallejo. Uh, and they just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. They're like, yeah, but this one interaction is kind of boring. Or uh like the whole idea actually like my original landing page only had wilson because i'm like well i only have one interview and I'm like mm. yeah but it's boring like it just ha- <laughs> and it confuses the point of the projects like what if you had little placeholder cards for people coming soon and then that became uh like grayed out images and then i was like but what if it was a mystery and that became these like pixelated images and then we like sort of redact the name and then i was like well uh when, like, what are some other small interactions, like the little blob when you hover over the uh, the interview card on the homepage? It's just like, can we yeah, bring really cool. this theme of the gradient into other places besides just the text or the logo or things like this? And then that decision led into like whether there should be square corners or rounded corners. And then I had all these conflicting border radiuses all over the place. So then I deleted <laughs> everything and just started from scratch. I'm like, all right, square corners across the board. So this just went through over and over again. and. You know, this really is why I just feel so lucky to have people that will just tell you that something can be better because what I had was probably good enough. And I'm just so glad that somebody spoke up and was like, it's fine, but it could be better. What if you tried harder? And then it was like, fuck, okay. All right, I'll try harder (laughs) and put in like eight more hours and I feel better about where it landed. Um I don't know what I'm trying to say here, except that I love that. I, I just wish I could take more credit. It was really a group of people just pushing me to to try more. That's inspirational because I feel I miss a lot of that. I'm very hasty and I have no chill when it comes to shipping side projects. At the opposite of Kevin, same. I'm like, does it work? Ship it, same. and I yeah. usually regret it mm-hmm. uh, after. Like, I could have put in like one more day of work. You you would get it such a better in better shape uh this i don't like even if i didn't know that like i don't care right <laughs> like it's 
it looks great uh it's you're probably my favorite designer like in in how you use um system fonts like i said uh <laughs> It's really, really artful uh, choosing a system. <laughs> no, no, seriously. <laughs> I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know if you just tweak the letter spacing really well. Um, it just looks incredible. And this is something I want to touch on. Hmm. I feel like this is it's it has such a Brian style. It's almost like a like a like a remix from your own website. Uh, one can say like because I, I was just being lazy. I used a very similar uh, you know, nav or something. Oh uh, yeah, I, I copy but, and pasted the whole website and then just yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough. But it gets to a point where if I had no idea who made this, I would have guessed Brian. Mm. Uh, and it's interesting because I've been talking to some people, I've been like interviewing some people and giving advice to some like whatever designers, and especially like when I, I feel that the younger you are or like the, when you start your career, there's a lot of pressure from yourself to find and create your own style because you want to be unique and if you force to have a style that usually doesn't go very well and i feel like all designers that i look up to and eventually like they clearly have a style i feel like that style it was it's not just like born out of laziness and just like well this is what i've been doing and not necessarily because this is how brian lovin would do it you know um like I made a bureau for netlify.com one time that had waves. A lot of you know, a lot of it was inspired by some of your work at, at Spectrum. It had a lot of waves. Yeah, I think the waves cool. Waves are brand. Wish I could take credit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden now I have waves all over my website and now I'm yeah. I'm, I'm I do waves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was never an intentional, you know, like <laughs> career choice to do waves, but these things just like just I don't know, just just happen. And I feel like this is a great example, like case study of um, taking your own personal style and just like writing it. Um, I mean, you make it sound so intentional. <laughs> like, look, if no, I'm, being what I'm trying to say, it's not. I'll be, <laughs> here's the honest answer is I actually feel like I'm not really great at a lot of the creative part of design. Like open the GitHub mobile app, right? It is literally like, how can we use as much system UI as possible? so that we don't have to make as many creative decisions. Now it's bad. I want to get better at that. I'm trying to get better at that. But my strength is really in just more utilitarian design, which means system fonts, single column layout, some text, and I can use color to denote hierarchy, right? Uh, I aspire to that. That's, <laughs> that's, my, that's my jam. So, but uh, I feel like I've, I've fallen into that style because I'm bad at and don't like doing the other stuff and so i just have this set of like system primitives that i like enough that and i've done it enough that i don't know i guess it ends up looking good or refined um but i still want to stretch there like at some point this will feel stale right and it will like even my personal website already feels stale feels kind of boring compared to this now so i don't know (laughs) if i think it's all part of just figuring out what you like making and and trying to like recognize if if it's good because you like it and so you just spend a lot of time on it or if it's good because you're like actually a creative person and I think I'm not actually <laughs> that creative of a person. I, that uh, just goes back to to show like there's different types of of design, right? And there's yeah, yeah. good design can mean different thing and can look differently. And so 
I can like really appreciate something like this that's maybe closer to some of the system defaults, but let me say it, like it's hard to make something look this effortless in a way. Like I feel like there's a lot of what I admire in your in your design work is you look at it and it looks like, of course, this is how it ought to be. Like, you know, how else could you possibly design this? And from having like in my own work, like being like in situations where it's like so hard to get there, like it, yeah. it's hard to make something look easy, like and right. And like, there's so many, again, like I go on and on about all the little like decisions of, Hey, we, you know, we know you, so we don't we don't need to see your name. The the change of between the serif and the sans serif, and just how like all these little decisions just seem like yeah, of course. Like how else can you do it? But actually, there's a million ways to do mm-hmm. this, right? Um, and so I can appreciate something like this that you know is maybe less illustrative, but I can also appreciate like you know someone yep. else who will like go all out and it'll be like crazy colors flying everywhere and that will be what that thing is and and that's okay it's just different aspects of what good design is like we don't have to find like the one you know perfect design solution and so yeah i love it i think i said this before on this show actually probably word by word when i look at kevin's website i feel like that's awesome it looks great i could never do that and when I look at Brian Levin's website, it's like, oh, that's awesome. And that's like, I, I'm kind of jealous because I wish I could. I wish I'd done that. But like see, nav, it's, it's the exact same thing when I look at your website, Rafa. And like every, oh, hang on, I'm pulling Sorry. up, I'm pulling up Kevin's. But like all, actually, I do remember Kevin's because when you posted your like holiday shopping guide, I think last <laughs> Christmas, I was like, God damn it. Like, why can't I make things that look like this? And like, yes. see, you're, you're breaking out of like, the grid and you're using type in such an interesting way. Like these things just wouldn't come to my brain. And then on Rafa's like, you're actually a funny person. I'm like, God dang it. Why am I not funny? You know? Uh, So everyone just has their own little thing that they can uh, like add on as their, their personality. Mm -hmm. I want to ask a question because I know we're at an hour and 20 and it's super late for Rafa, but I wrote down because you tweeted this Rafa, you tweeted, Mm. uh, I don't know if you want to talk about this. You tweeted that you're at a low point in terms of your confidence right now. I wanted to see what's yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Checking in. Uh, I'm just like in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a down, like low point in, it's like a wave, right? You're, you have highs and lows and I feel like I'm in a low. When I do, I try usually go easy on myself. Like, you know, it's okay to feel shitty. It's okay to feel insecure and like not confident or whatever. Like imposter syndrome, that happens. And I usually just let it go away eventually. Uh, but this has been on for like now a couple of weeks, like three weeks in. And I'm like, all right, that's not good. <laughs> uh, Is this I don't, tightly correlated with your job switch or different? No, no. Um, like to go back to some of the, like that craft and, um, you know, I want to get better as a, as, as a product designer at the UI. That's like what I freaking love. And I feel like I've never been good at it because I always, I always have good excuses. If it's a side project, like, well, I just want to ship it. You know, it's not really that important. If it's like early days at Netlify, I was like, well, it was just a startup. Like, you know, we don't have time or whatever. Even now, a lot of the work I'm doing, it's also, you know, early days, early stage. You have a lot to figure out. So you can't really, you know, 
zoom in into a specific UI little thing. So I always feel like I can never do freaking like perfect work that I'm really proud of, but I am always also really good at giving, making excuses for it. Probably valid excuses, but I still know their excuses, right? Um, I feel like I, I, I don't know what I'm good at, honestly. Because <laughs> like the work I do is like early day startup, defining a product as a whole world. So it's like jack of all trades type of thing. And I don't really know if I'm either good at that, at that or like, what am I good at? And I, yeah, uh, just whatever. I, I, it's not really at all like matching what I want to be or what I want to do. Yeah. Have you watched Kevin's yeah. talk on excellence? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Isn't it kind of like that? Like, don't, didn't you have this example of like the the airplanes, right? And and it really just came down to being able to execute, like have more cycles, right? Like, okay, here, pose as a question. When's the last time you iterated on your personal website? Like actually deployed some visual design change my website yeah well when did i get a uh, green screen (laughs) (laughs) uh i think it's still my pinned tweet so actually i could check it easily september it's been a while so i don't know oh (laughs) are you saying that i should redesign my website no i'm saying it sounds like you want to figure out like you have this playground that's very good uh i I don't know. I guess I don't know what I'm saying. I think it's interesting that you're like to hear you articulate how you're feeling and not knowing exactly what it is that you're good at. But I don't know. That somehow feels normal. Also, because you did just switch jobs and you're at like a tiny stealth startup. I don't even know exactly what it's going to look like or how it's going to work or what it even is. So, (laughs) so I imagine like joining a team like that, like you are forced to do new things, wear new hats. And this is why a lot of people like startups and why some people don't, right? Like you're forced into this position where nobody else has the answer. And so you're just suddenly in a de- position where you have to make a decision where there's no prior and nobody there to catch you. You just got to make the call and it feels like you're bad at it. And you know what? This is... Uh, okay, thanks uh, for the therapy session. This is <laughs> a major talk. breakthroughs here. Have talks with... That is exactly... <laughs> why i joined superlist okay i wanted that i wanted to be out of my comfort zone i wanted to challenge myself and try to figure something out learn whatever yeah now but now that i'm in it like i just enjoy (laughs) after you like dude this is the pikachu meme like i want to be out of my comfort zone and then the next frame is i'm out of my comfort zone and then it's the (laughs) oh no face you know (laughs) yes exactly exactly no that makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of stuff like, for example, f- photography, you know, is also a new thing that I've been um, bad at, and I, but I'm um, trying to learn and get better at and hopefully having fun while doing so. But it's so like, there's no stakes. Like, who cares if I suck at, at photography? Like, who, who cares? But this is my job and people pay me money for this. So I feel like, yeah, I knew I would be a bit uncomfortable, but I wish I could... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, a lot of pe- people are being paid money to be terrible at their jobs. <laughs> that happens all the time. Preach. <laughs> but, Preach. Uh, <laughs> but like that reminds me a little bit of this sort of. Um, I I usually like when we're in offices. Like I would often like just draw this sort of like graph basically for for people like 
uh, especially like new team members, whenever they start on a, on a new project on my team or anyone's team for that that matter, um, like it's it's the sort of like emotional roller coaster that you go through, like when you work on a project or start a new company, where like you start and you're like oh like there's so many possibilities like this is so exciting like we could do so many cool things and then like you start kind of like exploring things and then like you actually get a little bit better like you get some context you start understanding the problem space a little bit better and then you keep like digging into it digging into more now you understand like the entire complexity of the thing and you're like oh my god Mm. this is so complicated how will i ever solve this problem right and then you push through it and then like you start seeing things and then like oh actually like maybe this idea maybe this idea okay maybe and then you start start looking at this and you're like hey actually i think that that might work and then you're like cool so you keep going and then you're like oh but i didn't realize about this i didn't Uh think about this and what about that maybe i'm terrible at this like maybe all of the past projects that i've worked on we're luck. Like maybe I'm not actually good at design. Maybe it's just that I hit the exact perfect sequence of things that I was able to solve, <laughs> but I'm not going to be able to solve this one. Right. And then you keep pushing through and then, <laughs> then you eventually like get to a solution that oh, it seems like it's pretty good. And then you launch it eventually and you're like, hey, I'm really proud of this. And then two months later, you're like, oh, this is terrible. I'm so much better than this now. It's like a <laughs> sort of journey. Circle of life. Every project that I've gone, I've done. This is like, brilliant. Is I want to. I want to join your team, Kevin, just so I can have this pep talk uh, in front of a whiteboard with you because uh, <laughs> everything is resonating. Like, yes, all yeah. of this is true. I, I've experienced that everywhere I've gone. Right. Yeah, it, yeah, it's just it's part of the process, and I feel like, it, in a way, it's kind of connected to imposter syndrome. But like, what I also tell people about imposter syndrome is there is nothing I can tell you that will make you feel better. Like, <laughs> we're in this conversation. There is nothing I can say. I can tell you you're the best designer I've ever seen, and you're not gonna believe me. Like, you have to believe it for yourself, <laughs> and it's hard because we're really tough on ourselves. Actually, I think that's a great way to end this. <laughs> like, we're not going to top that. That was just a huge segue pro wisdom. over here. Boom, boom. Uh, before before we we go and wrap this up, we should do yeah. recommendations. Let's Brian, do it. You you're prepared, right? You uh, you know. Obviously. Come on, come on. Always prepared. Always. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Yeah. Is there some old okay, TV cool. show wow. you're watching? <laughs> All right. So this is actually related. So if okay, go to go to staff design and look at oh, cool those little pixelated avatars dude i was gonna i wanted to ask you about that yeah. thank you so much for bringing that okay. up yes look very closely right uh yeah they they're move. moving right there's some pulse like there's some motion there how does it work am i some genius programmer or is there a service <laughs> <laughs> uh so i in in creating these i discovered this website called photomosh it's called photomosh.com and boy, oh boy, howdy, is this a fun website to play with. So you upload a, an image, and they just Glitch have yourself. this sidebar with all of these parameters you can tweak to, to distort and glitch the image. And you can export Whoa. that distortion as a GIF or as a JPEG. And so I literally came on here, and I just clicked the randomizer like 100 times <laughs> until I found something that was the correct visual style I wanted. 
tweak the settings a little bit and then just reuse those settings for each of the photos. So, and export it as GIF, compress the GIF, uploaded magic. <laughs> this That's is amazing. So fun. Yeah, this is a fun website. <laughs> okay, wait. Whoa, this one's cool. <laughs> amazing. That is a fun recommendation. Thank you, Brian. All right. Wow, that's cool. That's your, cool. Your turns. Turns. Turns is, is a... Kevin, do you have one or no? I, can't, I, I do. Can't yeah, I do. My recommendation this week is uh, this show on Netflix called Pretend It's a City with Fran Lebowitz. Uh, and it's directed by Martin Scorsese. Have either of you seen it? No. You directed it? Wait, is this a TV show? Yeah, it's a TV show. But it's it's sort of like... Um, more of like an interview series, essentially, okay. or just like a conversation. It's it's very hard to describe, actually. So it's basically just Fran Leibowitz just talking about stuff, <laughs> and it's divided in into roughly half hour episodes. It's amazing, <laughs> and, and I I think I had heard of Fran Leibowitz before this, but I didn't really like know much about her. And I just started watching. And it's so funny, and it's so interesting, and to me, like, it's just a great example uh, of something I had heard, I think, on a podcast, like, maybe it was Merlin Mann or something like that 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 said this, that um, Hmm. the best comedians are, like, people that have... Uh, uh, an interesting like different point of view of the world and it's just like that point of view can be applied to anything that they that they talk about and it will just be funny and i feel like that's so true here where like friend is this sort of like jaded new yorker like i'm gonna tell it tell tell it to you like it is kind of person with like no filter and it's so 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 hilarious i i really love it and also it's super well directed um i really like the style how like they're cutting through with like music in between and like lots of shots of her um walking down the the streets in in new york and definitely like watch at the end of every episode there's credits with like the people's names and every like screen of name the names are placed very artfully like on top of the image it's anyways watch it it's good i personally really enjoy it awesome okay by the way we watched the your recommendation from last week that that oh nice Alice in borderland yes (laughs) what do you think about it it's an anime that's an anime (laughs) but like live action (laughs) hold up we liked it (laughs) (laughs) but it's an anime it's it was incredible to see all the tropes yeah i mean it's from a manga so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was cool. We we watched the whole thing. Uh, cool. Okay. Uh, my recommendation is Craft, or I think that's what it's called. You you all know Craft? Yeah. Um, uh, it's like a Notion uh, replacement, but with like super cool interactions. Uh, in all the apps that they, I actually don't know if they have a web version, but they have apps for all the Apple pl- yeah, platforms yeah, at least. They have a web viewer at least for the files. Right, because you can export it like a document as a web page. Uh, I'm going to send you this dribble post. I'm pretty sure you've seen this. It's not new, but at some point, let, let me know if you've seen this. This GIF. It's a dribble post of yeah. uh, from, yeah. from the team. Right. 
crazy, crazy manipulation interaction in like on mobile, especially super cool. We've been, you know, because of baby stuff, we were like, all right, we have a bunch of research to do, uh, mood boards to pick from, and like a to do list of things we need to buy. And I was like, ooh, we're getting a baby. Cool. I'm going to look into the best app and the best workflow to do this. Yeah. yeah. And they all suck. Uh, at some point, we were using Pinterest for like all the things. And we were using the, um, I didn't even know they had this, but they have like a like a notes section, which you can add like, like to-dos, like checklists. But it's awful. Um, craft was like, the be- so far is the best choice um, after Superlist at some point. Uh, can, I, uh, can I tell you something that I did that I think you, you should do as well? Yes, please. I thought this app was so cool. Um, the interaction design, the visuals, everything. And I saw this guy Daniel's verbal posts. And so I just messaged him on Twitter and I asked him for an hour of his time. And we just <laughs> hopped on a call and I just said, I, I literally would hold up my phone and I, I pointed at things and I was like, how did you come up with this? <laughs> <laughs> and we did that for an hour and it was awesome oh, this app is great that's amazing that's so cool so anyways you should do the I same never think thing. of doing that <laughs> that's a, like people are very generous with their time especially if it comes from a place of like, i am so inspired by this like i really i genuinely want to learn how did you come up with this like they do weird things with like stacked bottom toolbars like as you mm. navigate through textiles and stuff uh textiles and stuff it's really cool yeah their floaty like toolbar on the right on their mac app is very unique like i would never expect it even like share stuff some of the controls are there in a weird placement i would never think of doing that i kind of i i have a sense that you're going through something similar based on what you said like i think me and you were very much i'll default to the native controls native feel whatever and i'll deviate when i need to but I'm pushing myself to deviate more than I would naturally. And craft is a good example. It feels native. It feels super yeah, quick, yeah. reactive, responsive. Uh, and yet, if you like analyze it, you it's all custom. Actually, yeah, yeah, it's all custom mm-hmm. stuff. There's nothing yeah. native here. Another thing is like things is, you know, yeah. yeah. For a lot of people, huge reference, inspiration, uh-huh. great, great work. Uh, and I always feel like things is super native. Like it feels that way, but if you go and look, no, not even like context menus, like nothing. Not even is... the app icon. <laughs> not even. Oh. <laughs> okay, My can God. we can we get honest about those corner radius, like radii, like mm-hmm. guys, guys? <laughs> no. See, I'm not even mad about just this. I'm just, mad just about bump the it Mac up. Just bump icon. it up. What? One more. What? What? One more point, <laughs> please. Okay, but uh, this is something actually I've been meaning to check out so my understanding of the ios app icon is it's meant to be like a a container that you're looking from the top and because of that if you were to actually put pieces of paper in there this is how it would look because it's not like a perfectly digital thing it doesn't matter it just like even their mac uh... But the Mac one doesn't <laughs> align with any of the it, other icons in my dock. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But like even the Mac one, the corner radius, it's still just frustrating. It just feels like it should be one more, right? Like one more because mm-hmm. you want the mathematical whatever. And actually, this might 
here's what I wonder if they're actually mathematically correct, but they're just optically incorrect. I would be surprised if they were. They were like, they were being super German and they were like, actually, <laughs> no, you're wrong. Yeah. Apple is wrong or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, lo- 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 love their work. Love. <laughs> Anyways, craft, great. Craft, <laughs> yeah, great, great stuff. I so uh, I just downloaded it. <laughs> Actually, I had never played with it before, um, yeah. but I I don't think I've ever seen like in recent memory so many people recommend this app to me. <laughs> and every time I'm like, yeah, yeah, I need to to check it out. Like I download it as soon as I get home or whatever, and yeah. I'm home all the time. It's an interesting. It's an interesting uh, like type of app because it's not super viral. In a, you know, I think it's competing with Notion. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious. But it's not like you're going to just switch to craft or, uh, at your work, right? Like, it's not really how it works. And I, I actually never use it in that context. I don't know how it scales. It has thousands of documents. No idea. Uh, but even, like, at a personal level, if I'm like, hey, Kevin, check this out, you're going to download it and... But it's not something that is super easy to fit in your workflow or you know day to day. So it's, I, I'm not surprised that it's taking them a while mm-hmm. to penetrate the market and gain traction because it's not something like you use. You know, you no, taking apps are so day. hard to just change behavior for. I can only imagine. Same yeah. with to do apps, like any right. of these things where people have an established workflow and muscle memory for the notes or the keys that they type to search for and mm-hmm. like all these things really matter and being new must be quite the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. We should, all we right. should wrap this up. Uh, Brian, this has been a pleasure. Brian Levin. I, I cannot no, believe. No, this has been a pleasure. Back. This has been so fun. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> this has been a pleasure. When, when Kevin DM me yesterday, I was like, Oh, it's happening. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm picturing you. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you Thank so you. much. Uh again, people listening to this, go check out you know, go check staff.design. Uh, there's one do, have you announced like when the next one next interview is gonna I think I'll just do it Tuesdays no? every week for the next eight weeks. Okay. It gives me time to figure out what the future of the product should be. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. But check it out. Wilson Miner huge hero you know of mine i met him once and you know like never meet your hero what did you say just, <laughs> going full <laughs> circle hey you know if you want to just grab a beer one of these days you can just uh <laughs> you want to come back to my place and uh take it? <laughs> yeah it was fine not awkward uh, no we had we had lunch uh he was um at a time well an official like design advisor on Netlify, he was interested in the company, and this was super early days. And uh, he was still at the California Magazine, mm-hmm. California, California Sunday, Sunday Magazine. Magazine. There you go. Yeah. And their offices were in the same building as Netlify, so oh, cool. That's okay. how they, whatever. Uh, and I just fanboyed <laughs> hard. Yeah. Uh, uh, Wilson, <laughs> such a you're such a hero. <laughs> uh, anyway, we we. <laughs> We went out for lunch. I'm sure that it was very awkward for him, but I had the time of my life and oh, it was awesome. awesome. And he is like as wise and like calm as you would expect. <laughs> he was everything I thought he would be. <laughs> anyway, Love Wilson. Great interview. Great project. Uh check out 
design details, which mm. is like our our like podcast sibling. I feel like mm. an official podcast sibling. Step sibling um, is what I was. <laughs> yeah yeah good way to put it uh what's the url by the way uh design details dot fm noise uh yeah and uh what else do you want to plug anything uh no <laughs> this is cool. great oh wait should i do the outro yeah. oh outro yeah sorry i'm Hit not me. i'm not used to having people here uh <laughs> So this is the thing. Rafa every week is like, I don't know how to do this anymore. Yeah. And then like, yeah, yeah. he's like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. And he does a perfect outro every single time. So <laughs> oh, cool. All right. Done. Follow us on the Twitters at LiotFM. I'm at Rafa Hari. Kevin is at Vernal Kick. And Brian is at Brian Loving. Oh, there's an underscore. Underscore. There. It's, yeah. Uh, underscore. It's oh, truly, truly embarrassing. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Fooey, episode deleted. <laughs> okay, wait. The, so it's at Brian Lovin underscore? No, Brian underscore Lovin. Brian underscore Lovin. Um, cool. It's a, it's a good follow. You're you're a good good account. Uh, <laughs> check out check our, uh, our our links show notes. Mm. Um, all the things we mentioned here uh, are going to be there, except the ones that aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, our website is layout.fm. <laughs> Uh, beautifully designed and coded by Kevin uh, Junior Clark. <laughs> Junior. And um, uh, thanks to Editor X for sponsoring this week's episode of Layout. Check them out at editorx.com. Boom. Okay, I'm, go- I'm gonna go. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah, you're great.